Hello and welcome to another episode of The Code Career with me, Cameron Blackwood. Today's guest is Colin Riddell. Colin is one of the growing contingent of guests who are also from the Central Belt of Scotland. And this episode should be extra special because as well as being a highly experienced developer himself, Colin actually spent a number of years as the lead instructor at CoClan, which is Scotland's number one boot camp. What this means is that Colin has seen firsthand what it takes to learn to code, stand out and get that first job in tech. This episode is particularly good if you're in the process of learning and maybe trying to get that first job within the next year. Uh, But I'd recommend it to really anyone of all experience levels because Colin's got a ton of useful insight. If you do want to support The Code of Career financially, there is a Patreon page. However, don't feel obliged to do this, especially if you're currently looking for a job. If you do want some advice and to chat with our community, Discord's probably the best place. And there is a link to that in the description. You can, of course, join that for free. And for now, grab a coffee, push those commits, and enjoy the show. Hi, Colin. Welcome to the Code of Career. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? Hey, Cameron. Thanks very much for having me. I'm pretty well. Good. Um, yeah, it, it usually ends up speaking. We usually have to speak about the weather on here, but obviously, because we're relatively close by to each other, it's uh, it's fine. And we we've dodged most of the storm and rain um, compared to compared to our cousins down south. So we've we've done all right. But um, yeah, it's so pretty good to to not have to to not have to like uh, trudge through snow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or or not fish the wheelie bin out from a uh, you know a, a pond that's formed at the end of your street uh, or something like that. So it's always quite nice um, for yeah. for sure, for sure. And uh, so for listeners who um, haven't come across you before, maybe on LinkedIn or, or something, yeah. um, do you, do you, do you want to give a bit of a rundown about about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm guessing probably not not a lot of people have heard of me, and unless you maybe went to Code Clan. So um, I'm a an engineer, a software engineer. Uh, I've been a software engineer for 14, 15 years now, and I I've previously worked at uh, Code Clan, which is the Scottish um, or one of the only Scottish uh, training academies, kind of like a boot camp, a coding boot camp, software engineering boot camp. And before that, I've done a, a a bunch of different roles in the industry. I've I've been a product manager for software teams. I've been kind of low level engineering, um, kind of like low level C plus plus compiler stuff, and um, server application stack, back end, front end, um, and I now work at Fangio. So I've been I've worked at a, a few places, and I've I've been lucky enough to like. To see a lot of different things and and travel uh, a fair bit with with that as well, which has been really cool. Well, that bodes wonderfully well for a good episode of the podcast with all that experience. Hopefully. So that that, that sounds really good. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Cool. And uh, so, uh, as you know, having listened to the podcast before, um, we like to warm up with a few uh, quick fire questions um, for the guest, uh, just so the audience gets to know you a little bit better and, and find out about uh, what what you're all about in your story. So, uh, the first one is always the big one. Uh, what was your first ever computer? Ah, uh, yeah, I was I was listening to your podcast this morning, and, and I remember. <laughs> I really enjoyed the last couple of stories. And um, my first computer was an Amiga five hundred. Um, it's uh, it was the it was one of the early Amigas. Um, it had a floppy disk drive. It had sixteen bit color screen. Um, it had an OS that you had to load load in from the floppy disk. It's, it's just like a, oh, wow. a weird yeah yeah. You you would basically turn this thing on right, and it would come up this blue screen or a purple screen. I can't remember if it was blue or purple. I think I've been preconditioned by Windows to think it's blue, but it probably, it probably actually was purple. Um, and it had this icon of a disk getting loaded in to tell you that you need to actually load a disk in because it didn't have any of its own any of its own ROM. 
so you'd load a disc and then wait and then it would like load up a load up a game or whatever but it's mostly for yeah, it was mostly for gaming and things like that yeah um, that was my first common, common theme with the first uh with the first one yeah. and makes you yeah. grateful for the ssds today with <laughs> with oh a boot God. time of sort of two seconds um yeah i can't i, I mean i i never i think my first computer would have been like uh sort of windows 98 yeah. um so ne- never loading it on from a floppy disk or anything but um yeah yeah i think i'm probably i've, I've seen a floppy disk before but I've never actually used <laughs> one uh but yeah. uh yeah <laughs> it's so weird for you to say that with me just listening to the podcast this morning and then like the last podcast uh or this morning's podcast sorry um and then you were saying exactly that you, you've never touched one and i thought we'll be talking about that this afternoon and here yeah. we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and i think i've said on the podcast before like um yeah a lot i think people younger than me just know it's a save icon and nothing else <laughs> yeah it's good that it translates though yeah it does yeah it does and um yeah i I quite like it. it's iconic i hope they keep it and don't just change it to a cloud like a few places have done um (laughs) yeah it just doesn't just doesn't gel i just don't like it no floppy disk you know i agree with you on that if it ain't broke um and uh you already mentioned you're you're a pretty well-traveled guy um what what's your favorite tech city oh yeah good question um there's a few good tech cities i don't i've not been to them all um i was really quite taken with um tokyo and i know that's the same answer as a couple of your previous guests apologies for that but it's definitely got that weird paradigm of being ultra high tech but also a little bit weirdly backwards as well Mm. their processes and like and the way they do things their working culture is is just a bit weird and you go to work after you've had dinner and you you like sometimes sleep in the office and things are very pen and paper uh, in japan um software engineers kind of haven't at least when i was there 2011 i think it was there um they haven't quite got the same level of like um like working practices that are really like uh forward thinking if that makes sense Uh, at least the teams that i worked with it may be it may just be like that company or those individuals but I kind of got the impression it was a few other companies in Tokyo were kind of like that. Um, one of the really cool things about about when I was in Tokyo was the company I was working for at the time, we were basically making a compiler uh, that would be, a, that was a product for the, the PlayStation 3. Um, so the idea, we were selling a product or build, trying to build a compiler product that you could use as an alternative to the PS3 SDK um so we went to sony um to try and get some more info around the ps4 at that time and we went to we went to their main their main head office in um in tokyo and went to meet with them and it was one of the coolest experiences in my life in terms of my, my professional life because it's just this this huge building um very 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 like glass gl- giant glass structure as you can imagine apparently legend has it that like the the lower floor the first floor that you go in on on, on this building is basically full of like offices it's full of like uh, almost like booth type offices and what you're meant to do is if you're a guest you don't get to visit the higher floors right you're not allowed so basically what they have is they basically have the downstairs of this entire huge building is just for like meetings so you go and you have your you have your meeting and um if you get invited to like 
the first floor or above, then it's like a special honor. Um, and we got invited to the first floor or above, so it was one of the coolest <laughs> things. I just had to go against my, what my boss was telling me about all this stuff back then. Good, good times. <laughs> that must be a really cool experience to, um, yeah, to work somewhere that's just so different. And also, as a major PlayStation fanboy myself, like, uh, yeah. you know, work, working on a project like that sounds awesome. And uh, yeah. um, so, is that, I, I'm guessing from you were talking about compilers and stuff, was that when you were doing the low level programming? Yeah, yeah. So I came out of university in 2008 which makes me a bit of an old timer now, I realise, but it doesn't really feel like that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I'd done, compu- I'd done computer science and software engineering at University of Stirling. And I came out not quite knowing really exactly what I wanted to do. I know that I was interested in games and I think a lot of like people in my situation, a lot of white males... Uh, tend to kind of, or just males in general, tend to like gravitate towards the games industry, <laughs> and like it seems to be like the thing that you wanted, that everyone wanted to do. So I was kind of quite interested in that, but wasn't quite sure about it. In two thousand and eight, we don't we didn't have the same kind of software engineering tech culture and scene that we have now. So it wasn't you couldn't, for example, go onto YouTube and learn stuff. You couldn't. It was you couldn't just you know pick up a book and start coding as easily um it, it seemed like it was a bit kind of harder to get into it in, in a weird way um so it wasn't obvious what i wanted to do so i went to i went to this company that i thought sounded um like an interesting company and in, based in edinburgh the company is called codeplay the company actually still exists um and they're doing really well and they now focus on a lot of stuff to do with ai machine learning um over the time that I was there, we started to move from kind of normal compilers on on homogenous like uh, uh, computing devices. So in other words, in order on CPUs, um, we moved from from building compilers from for CPUs to building compilers for GPUs for graphics applications, which is a it's a whole other different challenge. Um, and eventually, uh, in more recent times, like since I left. GPUs are used a lot in machine learning, so that that company is now like a specialist in GPU uh, architectures for machine learning. It's a really cool company. That is really interesting, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely definitely touch on that more in the podcast uh, later cool. in the podcast because I haven't, I don't think I've had anyone on that's done some lower level programming. Uh, certainly not down to that level. So uh, that yeah. is uh, very cool. Makes my head hurt a bit trying to understand it, but really interesting nonetheless. Um, <laughs> And uh, so when when you are, you know, really trying to get in the zone um, and perhaps doing some low-level programming, what, what type of music uh, do you like to listen to? Great question. I don't do any of the low-level stuff anymore. It's kind of all just <laughs> way... Like, the concepts are, like, still there. I can still explain some basics of compiler stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 don't, I, I don't program in C or C++ anymore. Um, music. I really like... Um, heavy metal, heavy rock. I've gotten in the last few years in particular, and it's it's in my default coding music, I've gotten to like synth wave. Mm. It's like a kind of weird kind of electronica genre um, that combines old school sounding synthy stuff with modern electronic music. Um, there's like Laserhawk are really good, Com, Com Cruise. It's a spoonerism of Tom Cruise. Um, uh, uh, 
uh, gunship, um, tech noir, all that stuff. Yeah, have a listen to that because it's like not got like lyrics and stuff, so it's just just like a really fast, cool beat. Just get yeah. the headphones on. That sounds good. I, I like um, uh, one genre I like to go to is like a bit of vaporwave, even if it's a bit right. corny. It's the same, like, idea. Uh, it's the same yeah. idea. Yeah, it's very yeah, similar it's, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of fun and anything that makes you feel like a hacker uh, when, Definitely. When, you're, when you're coding is is, uh, is always a good good one to have. And what, what about um, what about when you like to work? You say you're like early bird, night owl? Oh, okay. I'm more of a night owl. Um, I tend to be able to think better in the evening for some reason. I don't know what it is. This The screen, I don't know if my screen, sometimes it feels like my screen takes a whole day to warm up. <laughs> and like, when I look at it in the morning, I'm like, this thing doesn't make any sense. And then by the evening, it's, it's almost like I'm connected with it. It's almost like it, it's almost like the screen's in my eyes and I can, I know exactly what's going on. And, and yeah. then I've got to go, then I've got to try and turn it off and go to bed. So I'm definitely more of a night owl. And, yeah. and mornings, mornings are a bit slow for me. Yeah. What about yourself? I'd say I'm, I'm probably the same. Um, I've got, I've, I've started switching to more, as I've got older, I used to be an extreme night owl. Um, but these days as I've got older, I, I switched more to early mornings. I mean, when I, when I was in uni, I mean, I question how much, and I'm sure if my sort of tutors were, were listening to us now, uh, they'd question how much work I was actually doing. But when that work did get done, it was probably at three in the morning um, rather than uh, sort of 7 a.m. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I would say these days I'm much better at getting up in the morning. But as for like if I'm doing anything useful at 6 a.m., I'm not so sure. So uh, if I get in the zone, um, there's not really a... a, a, a avian analogy for a late afternoon uh, <laughs> i'm a late afternoon yeah. bird i guess uh it's probably yeah. when i probably right now i mean it's 6 p.m so pro- probably right now is, is quite good for me what bird would that be i wonder yeah <laughs> i don't I, know if there's any know. yeah evolutionary advantage for hanging around in the middle of the afternoon um yeah maybe a parrot i like parrots so let, let's get let's say mid-afternoon parrot with that and um you you already talked about what interested you in the industry originally but um if we're talking uh when you were sort of like nine or ten um what what did you want to be when you're an adult but at that point were you already interested in tech or is that more something to develop when you're older that's a good question um i when i was at school and stuff i early days of school i wanted to be like a fighter pilot or something like that like when i was like really really wee uh, and then uh, as I went to high school, I, I got really into like um, school here. We've got, um, uh, we called it tech studies. Uh, I think it's all changed now. Um, but basically you could do, you've done like a bit of electronics. You've done a bit of like structures and bridges and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to be an engineer. I want to be a civil engineer. So up until before I left school, I was about a couple, oh, maybe about a year or so before I left school. I was convinced I wanted to be a civil engineer of some kind. And my I was lucky enough, I wasn't particularly great at school. I was really slow um, with pretty much all my subjects at school. Um, I was always the bottom or like near the bottom of the classes that I was in. And my parents paid for a maths tutor to come and help me with my maths, particularly at higher maths, which I struggled with to start with. And... Uh, I chatted to my math tutor quite a lot about different things and uni and stuff like that. She was just finishing uni. So she's like, why don't you go and do computing at uni? You're really good with computers. And I had never thought about that at that point. So that was a really good 
I really, I was quite glad. I was quite glad that she said that because looking back now, that's a really pivotal, hugely pivotal moment in my, in my life, like, like unbelievably so. And I know from speaking to people and working with people since, and particularly in the last few years where I've been doing things like Code Clan and teaching there, that there are moments like that where somebody can make a difference in your life by sitting you down and being like, here, why don't you just try this? Why don't you think about that? Why don't you, uh, you know, nothing wrong with your idea, but like, you know, just why don't, why don't you, you know, they're not saying, they're not saying you have to, or I think you should, mm. they're just saying, what about this? You know, I it's could have yeah. yeah, presenting you with the option is just, uh, it's a lot of time, someone who's maybe 17, there's a million things going on in your head anyway. And actually, if there's a career path you haven't even thought of, then just having a, an adult you trust to say, why don't you do this is, is a great, it's a great experience. It sounds like a, obviously very pivotal for you. So it's it's really cool. Yes, it was looking back. It's it's such a weird one. Like um, she didn't she didn't mean it from a point of view of like, what are you doing? You crazy person. <laughs> just it was just like a flippant suggestion in, 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 a, in a way and i had i had just kind of looked looked her looked her in the eye and was like you know what actually you're you're right like why why don't i i think i think the thing that stopped to help me back thinking back was that i didn't do computing at school um i think there was an assumption that you had to do computing at school um and then i guess that later later in my career i learned that you don't have to have a career you don't have to have a degree to be able to do this stuff either as we're as we're all very much aware uh-huh. yeah well there's a million different ways into the industry i mean absolutely. my school absolutely. uh my school didn't offer computing past uh past when we were 13 uh so it's you know it's which it which isn't great because I, I went i left secondary school in 2013 high school for the american listeners um so really you know <laughs> no excuse really they made us take latin uh but uh they <laughs> Yeah, so it really tells you where the priorities are at. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure how much it's um, it's changed really because I, I speak to quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of my followers on on TikTok in particular. My podcast listeners tend to be a bit older, but my uh, TikTok followers are you are often like either sick form or starting university, and it sounds like there's still not quite enough clear pathways, even if it's improving slowly. So hopefully um, that'll uh, we'll, we'll be able to present more kids with. Uh, that option of what a great and rewarding career um, this is. And um, we, we already talked a little bit about how your journey um, into tech started, but um, you went into uh, low level and you developed some experience there. What what happened after that and how, how did you go from uh, doing that and then uh, working your way up and being a senior instructor and, uh, and now, now doing what you're doing now. So it, it's a, it's interesting uh, to, to hear about the journey. What, how did it all happen? Basically, I guess I'm asking you your life story. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you asking. It's really nice to have somebody ask and take such an interest. Uh, so thanks very much. Genuinely, um, I worked at this place, uh, uh, Code Code Play, uh, for seven years, and re- really liked it there. And 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 I could see myself probably working there my entire life. I, at one point, I thought I'd be one of these people who who went to a company and was there for 30, 35 years, you know, I was like, this is, this is the one for me. This is, this is the, this is the, the, the one for me. I'm going to stick at this forever. But one of the things that I started to notice was that everybody in the company was smarter than I was um, in terms of their ability to like be extremely technical and code. My superpower was that I was able to communicate. I was able to speak to people 
So uh, I was I was doing stuff like speaking to customers and you know leading leading the team and kind of helping out with the direction of the teams and what we should do. I wasn't doing a huge amount of low level coding. I was doing a bit here and there, but there was other people in the, in the company that were significantly better. So I sort of almost kind of was was the person who like stuck it all together and turned it into a product. And around that time, around this sort of 2012, 2013, I started to hear about things like Node.js, um, which is basically, it's a, it's a way of running JavaScript um, on on a computer and then that may sound like that might sound like a lot of people of course you can run javascript on a computer but but one of the things one of the things about node.js that's particularly interesting is that up until around the time that node came out which i think was around that time 2010 2011 yeah i think it's 2010 yeah yeah something like that it started to get popularity it exploded onto the tech scene and, and people were talking about it on hacker news left right and center and and I remember being very confused about what it was, right? Oh, you need to run Node, you need to get Node, you need to learn Node. And that happens today more than we could, more than you can imagine, this sensationalism of a, of a particular technology. Um, so I remember hearing about this Node thing and not really knowing what it was what it was all about. But if you don't know what it is, uh, it's basically a, a way of running JavaScript from your terminal right that was the kind of thing that i that was the thing that i wish that someone just sat me down and said you know you can run javascript from your terminal with this program um because it might seem or might not seem obvious but you you couldn't do that up until then the only the only place you could run javascript up until that point was your browser i don't know that you know this but um your your listeners your listeners might not might not appreciate that but um so Things like that started popping up. Things like Docker started popping up. Um, I started learning a lot more about startups. I was lucky enough to be sent um, with that job. I was lucky, lucky enough to be sent to California for conferences. So I went to conferences in California. I went, uh, I went to two conferences in California. And I went to visit customers a couple of times in California as well. I went to Hong Kong. And it was the traveling that made me really realize that there was a whole world outside of the world that I was in at that at that at that place and time. And it almost made me it almost made me want to change my entire career. It made me want to th- rethink everything. It made me want to, you know, it, it made me interested in startups and companies and businesses and products and this idea of a product, um, which obviously it's not, I'm not saying products products were a new idea. But a digital product was a new idea to me. Up until that point, m- me and a, a lot of other people thought that you, to sell a digital product, you had to like literally burn it to a CD-ROM and sell it. You know, you put a, put a price on the, yeah. on the box and, and sell it. It, it makes you think how much has changed really actually. Because yeah. we're talking a time scale. like this is actually only a decade ago. And actually, yeah, it, it's how, how, how yeah. a product, how selling a digital product, the distribution that is, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's not. I've never even thought about that. It's, re- it's a really interesting. Way it's of really, saying it's it. really yeah. amazing. Yeah, we had and we had a big cupboard in the in, in the code play towers. It was full of like old jewel cases, you know those CD oh, yeah. cases. <laughs> and I was like, why are there so many jewel cases here? And it's basically it turns out that they bought a bunch thinking they were going to sell a bunch like a bunch of these compilers on a disc, and like only like a handful of people bought them. And um, and there was like tons and tons and tons and tons of these discs. We had a compiler called vector c and the old timers out there that still remember vector c (laughs) hello hello to you um 
we had a compiler out there called Vector C, and we, at one point we were printing it on a. I wasn't around for that particular part, but I heard the stories. We're printing on a CD-ROMs and, and selling it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it's it's an interesting change in business model. Um, around that time, you know, all that was all that was happening, and I was learning about it, and I wanted to get a slice of it. So I started finding startups in Edinburgh and all the rest of it, and moved decided to move to a startup where I was going to be a coder. But I wasn't going to be writing C++. Instead, I was going to be writing like Node and Python and um, things like that. So I, I had to sort of teach myself those. Um, and that's a running theme in this industry. You need to be able to teach yourself things. And um, I had been trying to kind of do C++ and I was okay with that, uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't a master of it by any means. And I really had to pick myself up and try and learn some, learn some, um, go back to the stuff that I learned at uni a little, to some extent and, and learn some new technologies like like Node.js, JavaScript. I hadn't learned any JavaScript by that point at all. Um, and then try and pivot, my, pivot myself back towards being an engineer. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it, it must be very different suddenly working on, I, I guess it was more web-focused stuff you were working on then after that, so a real shift. In yeah. Kind of the product. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so something, um, slightly switching topic here, and something okay. that intrigued me uh, when you uh, we were chatting pre, pre-show, um, and I thought instead of asking you exactly what you mean by this, off air, I'll ask it on air because I've been. Uh, I I uh, I wanted to know what you you strongly distinguish between coding and software engineering. Can you explain what you mean by that and, and why it's important? Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. So, um, as I as I got into teaching uh, three you know, four years ago when I moved to Code Clan to teach there. Um, teaching has has been an amazing amazing thing for me in my development. It's made me think about everything I've ever learned. It's made me reflect on all the experiences I've ever had. I'm not the kind of person who... I'm quite a slow person, actually. Um, It it takes me quite a while to understand a subject. Uh, If somebody's saying something that's quite complex... I usually can't take it in straight away. I usually have to think about it a little bit. Um, I think there's a lot of people like that, actually, and there's more and more people like that. So I've always found that once I understand something, that's it. It's there forever. It takes me a while to get it, but once it's there, it's it's there. So I've I sort of got a really good knack of explaining things from first terms explaining why you need something and what you should do with that. And while, while I was doing that, um, I realized, um, and I, I think I already knew that I knew it, but I already knew it, but I didn't know I knew it sort of thing, that really coding is just one part of software engineering. Okay. So software engineering is, is, is the discipline of, of coding. Coding is like, is and to, to me coding is like um the mandatory skill that you need to master to be able to un- unlock the rest of your career and the rest of your career is software engineering and you you can't do software engineering without coding um 
but you can do coding without software engineering. Um, so the way I the way I see it, the way I think about it is um, is uh, is coding is 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 what you do to get a computer to do some basic commands, right? It's the it's the way of of getting something a, com a computer to do something complex, and it is very complex, especially as a beginner. It's not an easy learning coding and coding itself is a very complicated uh, thing. It's apparently according to some people, it's the most complicated invention of of of, of the human race is is to is this is this idea of digital digital programming. Most coders are coding to build software, and they're not all trying to build, you know, the next uh, Zencaster, the next Gmail, insert software of choice here, you know. Some are just coding to perform some, some analysis. You know, you might be a data scientist and you want to churn, churn some numbers. Uh, you might be a business analyst and you want to churn some numbers and, and you know, pull some data in, push some data out and the smoke goes up the chimney just the same. <laughs> and um you might uh so the goal of having some code to write is normally to get something to work software engineering takes that to the next level and what it says is it says we want to build code and this is the important part for me at least right we want to build code that isn't just code it, it we want to build code that can can be maintained by someone we want to build code that can be extended um, we want to build code that can be passed around. You know, it can be, it might be that, that, that I build, I make, make some code and I build it in my, in my team. And then after a couple of years, my team passes that ownership of that code to somebody else. Um, we want to make it so that that can, that, that can happen. Um, we want to make it so our code's readable, uh, and it can be poured over by other coders and, you know, they can ask questions of it. We want to make it so it can be refactored and reused. Um, we want to make it so that the whole the whole while, all this code, it needs to be robust enough to not fail, which is a whole other set of things. So it's that code has got to run on a server. And it's got to run that server for 24 hours a day for hopefully 365 days a year and for many years, hopefully as well. So what I'm trying to make uh, make you aware of is at least from my point of view is coding is is the act of you typing in code and something happens whereas software engineering is making sure that that is maintainable extendable reusable etc etc and that is that is the art that is the that is the mas that is the mastery of 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 this career um that, that, that we've chosen and um, the coding is just the tip of the iceberg sadly uh i'm sorry if you're if you're out there learning learning coding and 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 I know that I can guarantee you that you've got an amazing career ahead of you, because it's not one of these careers where you start right once you've learned to code. That's it. You've literally got an endless supply of other things to learn. But that's a good thing, right? That's a really really positive thing. I don't want anyone to ever want to scare anyone away by saying there's a there's a there's a there's no roof to this. One of the things that I had written down to say was that that there's there's no roof to the amount of things you can learn in this career. Um, so for me, it's making sure that the, it's not just code. It's, it's, it's something that can be maintained um, 
and 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 passed around and built on and engineered and made you know really really uh robust for many years to come and the art of doing that and the and the, the mastery of doing that is 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 what makes software engineering different from just coding i hope that's okay <laughs> that makes a lot of sense and I, I i agree with the distinction for sure because you know it technically coding is just as simple as writing if we're talking javascript just writing console.log you know hello world uh whereas actually if we're talking software engineering it's like why does the end user need this who is our end user what how how's a whole full stack process and and stack look like uh and there's so many things to consider and i agree with you that that is what's interesting about it because there's not a finite number of things that you're going to learn um and no matter whether you're longer term like for me i, pro- I probably see myself more going down the people management side of code um you know, for me, it's then like I, I can think about how would I build like a effective software engineering team, or if I decide to go down the principal like individual contributor uh, side of things, I could then think about like how how can I make a uh, amazing architecture? And there's, there's so much to touch on. And um, similarly, I wanted to ask you, ask you about is maybe someone who hasn't even got to the point where they've coded yet. Um, what would you advise them? Like maybe they're in a position like. Uh, you know, um, we were talking about leaving school. Say, say, um, say, you were actually in that position where, uh, but imagine your master tutor had never suggested it. Um, you get out of school at eighteen, and you're like, "Oh, wait a minute, I think I, I think I want to get into tech, but I really don't know where to start." What would you advise them? Does it matter what what kind of tech they choose or anything like that? Good question. I th- I've thought about this one a lot, as you can imagine, over the years. Particularly somebody, you know, I, I'm. I've had to try and put myself in these shoes. You know, I've not, I'm not a, I've, I've, I'm not a self-taught, I'm not originally self-taught, you know, that, that, that's the thing, right? So I've had to put myself in these shoes and um, it's not, it's not been that hard to, to do that because I've met so many of, of, of people in this, in this, in this situation. Um, what would I recommend? What would I, I wouldn't know what to do, right? I'd be freaked. I'd be freaking out. You know, it, it would is the real is the real answer. I have a tremendous. I just want to say that I have a tremendous amount of respect for people that 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 do things like change the career and the radically and you know quit a job and whatever it is that they're doing to go and pursue uh, becoming a software engineer or getting into tech in some way. Um, particularly the people that go and do stuff like Code Clan or the people that. That stay up to at least the wee small hours, you know, on learning online and cramming as much as they can. I've got a huge amount of respect for that because I don't think I could have done that myself. Um, but I realise I'm not answering your question by saying that. <laughs> um, my, what would I recommend? Knowing what I know now, I would say that the technology choice really, really, really does not matter, especially like to begin with, in particular. Um, there are some technologies that you should maybe avoid, I would say. Um, from my own my own sort of personal view is that anything proprietary you should maybe avoid. Like I would I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't recommend friends. If 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 a really good friend came to me and said, I'm gonna become a coder, I'm gonna become a software engineer, Colin, what should I do? I would tell them to avoid anything proprietary and yeah, your your agreement, which is which is great. Um it's 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 just not particularly great way to 
go down. What does that mean if you're sitting there and you're thinking, what the hell does proprietary mean? So it might not be obvious to somebody who's at, the, at this at that stage of, 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 you know, I'm thinking about a career in software. It might not be obvious that most of software, pretty much 90, 90 odd percent of, of, of all, of all decent modern software engineering is all done using open source technologies. That means that it's technologies that are, that are, that are, can be contributed to by almost anyone on the planet that's capable and willing. Um, and it means, it also means that the software, the, the code for that, for that software can, can be, can be looked at and inspected by virtually anyone that has an internet connection. And I think when I, when I tell non-tech people that, it kind of blows their head off a little bit. I've seen people going, what? And kind of one eye gets raised, another eye gets closed, and their their brain starts to spin a little bit. Um, so going into something that, one big recommendation is to go, in, go into something that uses open source Virtually any programming language you've heard of is 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 open source in some way. They're not all entirely open source. Um, it's maybe easier to name programming languages that aren't open source or technologies that aren't open source. Um, one that I remember hearing quite a lot about a while ago, and if you've got a career in that, that's great, but it's something that I would never go for myself, is SAS, S-A-S. It's like a statistics package um, thing for doing... It's got its own language and it's got its own library. Um, you pay a tremendous license fee for. I personally would never, would never recommend to my, my any friends of mine that are starting a career to 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 touch that with unless you knew that you wanted to do that specifically. Um, Oracle can be a bit like that, from what I know. Um, I've heard I've heard that. I'm, I'm I'm not saying don't do a career in Oracle. I've never said that yeah. to someone. Possibly with the exception of Java. Um, yeah, which I think. Yeah, yeah. but even then, I think Java is technically not open source, is it? Um, but I mean, obviously, Java the ecosystem is so strong that yeah, that, that's probably a, it's a decent one to know. Probably not the best one to know, but a, a good one. Like you're you're never going to struggle for a job if you know Java, really. I would say Java. And, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm a massive Java quarter myself. Um, I love Java. Java has a lot of open source stuff behind it. Tons and tons and tons and tons. There is the releases of Java that are closed source. The official releases uh, uh, from Oracle are all, are, are all closed source, but there's tons and tons of open source versions mm. uh, that you can get a hold of. Yeah, it's a hybrid, specific. really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so my recommendation is to, is to not be fussy over your language, not be fussy over your technology, and try and immerse yourself in as many experiences as possible. Um, you might not you might not like something, and if you don't, then just try something else. It's really one of the most important things that I've I've learned to to give that kind of advice is to not don't pin yourself to something too early. Don't you know? Don't read read about you know front end and you know React and think right that's me. I'm going to be a React coder for the rest of my life. Don't don't pin that on yourself. Um, there's no point. Um, there's your 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 career is probably going to be long enough for you to dabble your feet in many different things. You know, you might you could spend a couple of years doing doing something like you could do front end stuff where you're building you know you know websites and web applications, and then you might go and do something completely different that involves data analysis or machine learning. And 
in those years that you're doing data analysis and machine learning, which could be years and years and years after you've done your front end stuff, it's really important to understand that you might have forgotten all of that front end stuff. I've I've had jobs where I've been writing Python production code, and I can't remember I can't really remember how to write Python code. So, the, but the point I'm making here is, it's really not that important as long you've as long as you've got a willingness to move around and experience different things. Mm. Being open minded is the more important thing here, and also being honest with yourself. Right, the amount of people people that I've met in my career that are like, oh, I have to go to work again. Have to go to deal with this bloody PHP code base. It's like, well, if you hate it that much, I don't know if you know, but software industry is looking for developers. You know, like, <laughs> have you, yeah, have you heard? You know, there's demand for your skill. Just change, just change career. You know, just oh no, but then I have to update my CV, and that's to do with this growth mindset thing, right? That's that's something we we hear about quite a lot. Like being open minded and having a growth mindset. They're the two most important things to have a successful career in software engineering and coding and, and technology. And as long as you're willing to change and and, and, and move things around, there is no wrong path. Um, there is really no wrong path. There are, there are some that are, in my opinion, not what I would choose or what I would recommend to my friends, but generally no wrong path. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, even if you try something, uh, a first programming language and it's not really for you, and try another like for example um uh Matthew, who was on uh, a couple a couple of weeks ago um he he was uh he he was just saying you know um i just he just loves ruby on rails and he just he said it just uh, jives with him uh, like nothing else ever has so why why would he change but i've personally tried ruby and i always found it a bit jarring how close to plain english it was and whilst it was it was good and i could see why someone would like it uh something about javascript i can't even say what it is uh, really, just just worked for me. So I, I tried learning JavaScript, Ruby, and Python, and I think it I preferred ja- well JavaScript the most, then Ruby, then Python, um, because Python I found uh, like function declarations and stuff quite confusing, and uh, as quite a messy person who didn't know about linters, uh, the spacing was really <laughs> was really confusing for me. Perfect. Nowadays I can write Python fine, but uh, yeah, it was uh, all the stuff with spacing. So I, de- I I agree with you, and I definitely encourage people to you know. Um, don't if you try one you, you're not sure you like it it doesn't mean coding's not for you just try, try another one the major ones like i just named off three great ones to try um but there, there's you know there's plenty out there and the list keeps on growing um for sure um it does indeed yeah and obviously you have hands-on experience teaching uh, yourself at, at coclan which obviously has a fantastic reputation uh, here in uh, here in scotland um what patterns have you noticed uh in people that are trying to learn to code and how can people be like efficient and effective uh, during our learning process yeah that's a really good really good question so um i found some really interesting things actually and some of this might shock you or it might surprise you it might not i found that the uh the nerdy computery ones that go into boot camp often don't perform as well as you would think mm. which I, f- I found that quite interesting what, why do you think that is I think that's because of a level of cockiness, usually. Um, I've seen tons of people come into the boot camps in in Code Clan. Um, And, you know, you can can sometimes tell, you know, we we used to have a sort of chat between instructors. You can sometimes tell, and we would do like a, they would do like a, um, like a meet and greet, like two weeks before they start, the students. 
So we'd get them to come in two weeks before and we'd give them like a, we'd give them their laptops and we'd like get them all set up and give them a couple of like mini lessons. And then, or was it maybe a bit, it was maybe, a, maybe more than two weeks before, but give them a, a couple of mini lessons and, and you'd, and you would do your first kind of like, kind of class lesson. And it'd be st- things like setting up Git, you know, initializing, they're getting their GitHub account set up. And sometimes you can see straight off the bat that there's some quite confident people in there. And there's confidence, right? And that's great. We love confidence. We want people to be confident. Absolutely. But there's confidence with a little little touch of cockiness. And I've noticed that generally, like, straight off the bat, we can we we can tell as instructors we can tell if that person's a little bit cocky, they may be going to struggle, um, and I think that's probably because if if they've maybe done a little bit of of tech stuff previously, they might they might like assume that they know some stuff, and as a result they might switch off to the learning, and I think one of the biggest mistakes to make at that level is thinking that you know, and thinking I don't need to know that. You know, I'm, I've I've already got that down. You know, like um, that's quite a big mistake to make, particularly early on. Because even if you do know the thing, please listen to it being explained again, because you, it might be explained in a different way. Um, and if you know it, then what to do is just give yourself a little pat on the back and go, "Yeah, that's exactly how I that's exactly how I thought about that." You know. So conversely, the ones who have done the best out of uh, that I've in my experience anecdotally of course you know um are the ones that that have that kind of mindset of you know i don't know everything and i'm here to learn and i want to learn and i'm willing to learn and i realize that this might be tough and it's going to be very hard and it's going to be quite it's going to be quite at times dare i say even demoralizing because it's it's a very it's a very Putting your through some putting yourself through something like Code Clan is is really a roller coaster. That's what we used to say to people. It's a roller coaster. You have your days where you're absolutely on a high. You're getting it all right. Your code works. You're learning it. It makes sense. You have days where you've got a you've got a low. It's not working. Your code doesn't make sense. You're confused. You're stuck. So that can happen and like that. You know that that can that can change so quickly. So I would say that the people that do better are the ones that ask questions, were interested immerse themselves with no distractions that's really important we still have people come in and they try and work a weekend job and it would never work remember one guy came in like you know every 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 monday morning he'd, he'd come in at like he'd come in at like 10 or 11 o'clock we would start at 9 15 on the dot for stand-up um we used to do stand-up at code clan i really like that about code clan actually we used to get everyone to do a stand-up and it would your stand-up would just be like a little bit of how you got on at the weekend and how how you got on with the homework and just generally how you're feeling about life. It's like a, more of a mental health stand-up, I'd say, that we used to do at Code Clan. It's quite good. And if you've if you've got distractions at the weekend, it can be really hard to get that person through the through the course. Um ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. That's really one of the most important ones. Um it's really quite difficult to get people that are starting out on their coding career to ask questions particularly in a classroom full of other people starting out in their coding career. And when you're all adults as well, no one wants to feel, yeah. you develop, like when you're a kid, I mean, obviously you're self-conscious as a kid, but like as an adult, there's an extra degree of not wanting to feel silly compared to everyone else in a, uh, in a group, especially if you feel like everyone else gets it. 
But actually, it can be the situation where 20 people in the room don't get it. <laughs> and everyone's just afraid to afraid to ask. Because there's going to be points where you're not going to, like, I freely admit the React, I love it now, but... Mm-hmm. I JSX. I made made want to smash my head off my desk every day. Yeah, I, I didn't get it for weeks, and then it clicked eventually. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's not all going to click. The, the amount of times I've stood in front of a classroom, and I kind of miss it some to some regard, to be honest with you. Uh, and just stood there and just just explain a topic, and then just look out and try and get some eye contact with someone. And you, you get a nod of a head or you get or you just get blank stares you know or you, you can hear a pin drop or you get somebody that cocks their head and you go right okay well what are you thinking you know like um i learned as an as a as a teacher as an instructor particularly of such complicated stuff and to adults as you say it's really important to like just look for those signals and, and look and see what they're doing and like it do, does somebody have their head cocked to one side does it Generally, like humans can be quite easy to read like that. Does it, you know, if you, you'll have heard of Uncle Bob, um, Bob uh, Bob Martin. He's got a great, he's got a few great talks, but one of his favorite little little bits of blurb uh, is, to, is when he says, you know, does this code make you cock your head to the side? You know, does it make you kind of go like that and kind of lean over and go, what's that doing? It's the same with people. You know, if, if people, if you see people doing that, then generally they're confused and you need to help them. So, um it's what the, the the point I'm making is it's really important that you're honest with yourself and you ask questions, even though you might feel like an like an idiot, you know, and that's super important. Um I had a really fun exercise a couple of years ago. So at Code Clan, we were we were lucky enough to be given um a, a contract with one of the banks where we, we weren't doing kind of boot camp stuff. We were giving training to uh graduates. And that was a really good, really fun project. This particular group of graduates that I worked with, they went, they would kind of split their time between Glasgow and London. And they had just came back from London and they'd done this really, they'd done this really like big thing where they built a trading platform. And they'd done it without us. We'd done it without, it wasn't part of Code Clan, it was separate. And then they came back and the, the, they done, we had, they had this situation where, they all came back and they were away for a week and came back to us, came back to me in my class. And I was like, right, everyone, how, how did it go? I want to tell me more about your trading platform. I really want to know. I got a bunch of blank stares. And then eventually someone said, when someone said, oh, we built a trading platform. And then they gave me like the, like the spiel, like the sentence, like the, like the, the, the label name of what they built. And I just was like, so what's that? Blank stares, silence. I could see exactly what was going on. They they all went away for a week, and they all they were paired up with like other graduates from other like universities and things like that to build this system. And they hadn't a clue what they had built, right? They they hadn't a clue what they had they had built. They had been put through this this extra training thing that the bank wanted them to do. They came out of it and they knew bits of what they were what they were trying to do, but they generally they didn't really know. Like they were they were coding, yeah, and they were they were solving some sort of problem, yeah, but. They were doing. They were making that grave mistake of not really understanding because they were all with. They were essentially as a competition, and none of them wanted to stick their hand up and say at any point during that, "I don't know what we're doing." Can someone explain that to me, please? You know, no, you know, and 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 I can see why they did that because it was it was kind of they were being, they were being, they were being put they were being pitched against uh, like graduates from like a lot of quite elite universities and things. So it's like code clanners, code clan trained 
versus like Cambridge and the Cambridge guys and girls, they were like coming in and like, you know, leading the conversations and the Code, the code Clan ones were kind of sticking back and not really sure. So I spent an entire day asking why at every single thing that they said. So somebody, I would say, so what was the trading platform you built? And then somebody would say, oh, it's a blah, 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 blah for X, Y, Z. And I'd be like, what's X, Y, Z? And they'd be like, oh, it's this. And I'd be like, don't understand. Explain that. So we spent an entire day of me just asking dumb questions. And the point of that day was one of the best days I ever had teaching. The point of that day was that if you don't ask the question, you're never going to know. Like, you're, and, and, what, and what's even more worse than that is you're going to build, you're going to, if you don't ask the question early on and understand what you're building and what you're trying to do, what the problem is, if you move to the next level, if you move to the next phase of anything without knowing the fundamental of what it is we're here to do, you're screwed after that because it's that that knowledge is built on that knowledge, which is built on that knowledge, which is built on that knowledge, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so the, like, like was, the five Y chain. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the five Y chain. I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's one that I've I, I learned it originally doing my business degree because it, it was. Um, so kind of like product development. It was a fun module, actually. It was like some product development entrepreneurship module that we did. And the lecturer was a uh, really interesting guy. And he, he just always said, you know, the five Y chain, like just got to ask, when you're building this and you're asking for, because it was like for a mock uh, customer uh, slash end user, you got to ask yourself why five times. And it comes so, it's so handy in coding, really, when, especially if you're doing, uh, like for me, I do a lot of front end stuff. So nice. the consumers are direct, directly interacting with what I'm doing and, you know, it's asked myself five times, why, 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 why? Uh, almost like you pretend there's a five-year-old in the room. <laughs> uh, and it's the, uh, yeah, it's the best way to, um, best way to do it for sure. Totally agree. Totally agree. I've used 5Y. I spent a little bit of time uh, between jobs as a product manager for software engineering stuff. Kind of kind of went out of the, went out of the software engineering and was a PM for a little while and then went back into the software engineering stuff. And during that, I worked at a company where it was like restaurant reservation software. And there was a really interesting thing that happened there where the customers would phone up the support team and they would, customers would, would say something like, hey, I need to be able to do X. Can I, and then, they, what, then, then the customer would, would then go ahead and basically solutionize. So the customer would like be like, I want a button that does blah, right? And then, so the support person would sometimes be like, come over to the devs, can we get a button that does blah? And actually, sometimes, somehow, I don't know how it happened, quite a lot of times actually, they'd go, yeah, okay. Like, we'll give you that. We'll stick that in the backlog. And then over time, we end up with this problem where we've got like, all of these features and bells and whistles and buttons and switches and levers and knobs that all do different things in some way all do the same thing and if the person who was asked here can we get a button that does blah you know uh if the person was asked that just went why do you need that they'd maybe go ah well you know i need to be able to make it so that i'm booked out when i'm booked out at less capacity every wednesday and then they'd go 
Why do you need to do that? Ah, well, I'm, I've noticed that for some reason on a Wednesday, I, I don't have, I can't send out as many emails. Oh, right. Well, that's because you've got like your email quotas down on that day. So something, you know, so like you've scratched under the surface once, you scratch under the surface twice, you discover that there's, there's, there's actually a problem that they need to know about, or there's another way of fixing that other problem. You know, why do you want to send out so many emails on a Wednesday? Ah, because I do promotions on a Friday and I need to make sure that they're lined up for the Wednesday coming. Ah, well, do you know that we've actually got a thing where you can do promotions and you can, and you know, you you don't know until you know, right? It's like the known, the, the, the unknowns and the unknown unknowns. And there's our unknown unknowns. Mm. It's it's the pain point. And no matter what you do in any kind of, um, it doesn't even have to be a private enterprise. It can just be some kind of like Definitely. public service where yeah. you're trying to, you're just trying to provide a solution for people. If you don't find out the pain point, then you'll never, you'll never solve it. It's like a salesperson. Not, uh, it's like if a salesperson doesn't ask their, uh, their, their, their prospective client, any questions about about <laughs> what they're struggling with they're never going to sell the solution like um you know it, it's like phoning google and trying to sell them aws as a, as a cloud <laughs> like, you know it's, it's not going to work um i mean maybe maybe if it is i mean you'll win salesperson of the century if you do it but yeah, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> wow. and so, so something actually if we're talking about potential exercises in futility um, and what a segue i've got to say here um leak code um this is something I it I think it must be an American influence because I see a lot about it on Reddit and particularly on TikTok recently I've had a ton of questions from people saying what about leak code do I need to know leak code what companies use leak code do you know a list of companies that don't use leak code um, what do you think is the state of leak code in 2022 uh, in the UK in particular um, and uh, do, do graduates either of boot camps or, uh, or or university need it? And uh, how should they use it if they do? Amazing question. I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> I thought about it a little bit, but I, I might change my answer on the fly. Am I allowed to swear, by the way? <laughs> uh, you can, but I'll bleep it out. Yeah. I'm not going to swear. That was, that was a joke. I'm, I'm definitely not going to swear. I do swear a lot, but I'm not going to swear on your podcast. I, I will not do that. Let's keep it professional. So, um leak code i mean it's it's a hard one to answer right um and the reason it's a hard one to answer is because from my point of view from my point of view a hard no like like hard like recommendation to friends no you don't you don't need that um and i'll i'll go into why in a minute but i mean where was it like five years ago where was it 10 years ago um, and I think my worry here is that there's a bit of divergence in hiring, like a, there's a huge divergence in, in hiring, you know, there's some, rec- you know, hiring methodologies that are just so focused on the algorithmic stuff and the cracking the coding problems and leak code stuff and, um, leak code grinding and solving it solving the particular sort algorithm in like 14 different ways. And there's other coding interviews that are so far away from that, that, that yeah, you don't need to know anything about it. And so it wouldn't be very responsive, responsible for me to turn around and say, you need to completely ignore it. Um, I have noticed a difference in US hiring to UK or European hiring. I've even in, even within the organisation I work at just now, it's a little bit different the way we do hiring. 
Um, Fangio, I've noticed even then, it's like we hire UK people um, different from how we hire them in the US. And I don't even, I don't know why that is. Like, it seems to be something that, it seems to be that something that US companies want to be able to have more of a, maybe they want to have be able to have more of a binary, a binary assessment of someone, maybe. So in order to do that, to just give it a straight up yes or straight up no, they've, they, they just give them something that can be, have a binary answer. You, you can either, you can either crack this complicated leak code problem or you can't. Um, and that might make it easy for hiring, easier for hiring. Um, the worry there is obvious for me. It's it's that you could be rejecting people that are amazing engineers, that have amazing potential, but are really good leak code grinders. And engineering is not about grinding leak code. That 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 cannot be over. I cannot over over emphasize that enough. That's that's so far from what we do day to day. You know, I could name a million things to learn before before that. So if you're in the US then maybe if you're in the uk or europe then maybe two but i would personally not like to go and work for a company that assesses me purely based on my ability to solve obscure algorithmic problems like that you know i don't i don't want to work somewhere like that i want to work somewhere that's like that's going to look at me and it's going to look at all my experiences and it's going to look at the other things that I can do as a developer, as an engineer, you know, because there's more to being an engineer than just that. So, no, it's not yeah. required. Yeah, definitely not required. I mean, I've I've had people ask me all the time, being like, "You must have faced it at some point." I've literally I've never faced it, and you know, I'm I'm on my uh, third programming job at the moment, and you know, I've never faced it. I think I think for my technical assessment of my current employer, Holland and Barrett, I think I um, they gave me an hour and they gave me a few things that I could choose to do. And uh, I, I, I built them a retrieval engine that would give them a collage of um, dog gifts from an API. Uh, <laughs> so from that, it's different from leak code as you can get. Um, but it was very fun and it was interesting to do that with them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if people want to do it, then they can do it. In particular, if you want to get into Fang or Manga, as it's now been rechristened, apparently, uh, with, with Facebook going to Meta, which I think is a cooler uh, acronym, um, then, yeah, maybe. Mm, but, is actually. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Um, I, I wonder if Zuckerberg did that deliberately, but um, yeah, it, it it seems like it's one of those ones that doesn't need to. It can, you can learn if you want, but like much more valuable things to learn. I think there's a trap. I think there's a trap of it's. I think it can be quite addictive. You know, it can be competitive coding. You know, it's like a thing. You know, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing back in Maddie. You know, yeah. like type situation. <laughs> you know, it's a thing. It's a thing now. Um, I think it can be quite easy to get sucked into that, and and think to yourself and and kid your, to kid, kid yourself on that you're you're doing loads of good training, and actually you're just probably wasting your time on. I'm not saying ignore it because you need to know you need to know some basics. You know you need to know some some you need to know that if I take a for loop and I put another for loop inside that for loop, stuff's going to slow down. If I do another for loop inside that again, it's going to slow down even more. And for every for loop I add, it gets you know that many times, like to the lot, the lot, like that many times, uh, like cubed or to the power of four or to the power of five, you know, slower. 
basically. Like that's the really high level. And this is where I would say the most important thing is to really just make sure you understand the absolute fundamentals of anything before being obsessed about the details. So what I mean by that is there's no point you grinding the hell at elite code when you don't like understand um, why you know something gets slower if you nest the loops. You know, there's no point you spending all of your time on leak code or something like that, but not really being able to understand you know how the basics of the internet works. I think a few of your other, I think I'm echoing a few a, a few of the sentiments of your other your other guests and saying this like understand how request response works. Under, try and try and figure out what happens to the information when you press enter when you type something into a URL bar. You know, like what's going on there. You know, having basic understandings of all these things um, is much more important than than like being able to like pass, you know, coding exams or or, or whatever. Yeah, in my opinion, De- definitely. And you know, while we're on the topic of leveling up let's say someone's already in their career. I mean, excuse me as an example, someone that's been a software engineer full-time for like three years now, uh, someone at my experience level, like get mid-level, uh, you know, just mid-level. Um, how would you say someone like me should should level up throughout their career? It's a very different answer, actually. So the, the answer to that question, if you're, if you're at the beginning, just to make sure we're getting the reflection here, if you're at the very, 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 very beginning, then what you want to do is you want to you want to avoid tutorials as much as possible. You want to focus on fundamental learning. You want to focus on why, what what is an object, what is a class, what do those things really mean? Um, don't you don't need to go into the details of the memory and and how much how many bytes it's taking up unless you are doing something like C++. You know, so fundamentals are important. Focus on those. Focus on first terms. Understand something for the sake of understanding it. Don't just be able to regurgitate it. Um, avoid tutorials if you're if you're at the very very beginning, right? That's a reason why tutorial hell is a popular expression. Yeah, <laughs> tutorial hell. We've all been there, right? Yeah. To answer your question on somebody you know a bit more into their career, tutorials have at it, right? Because if you're a bit more in your career. You should be able to follow a tutorial and understand the why, understand the fundamentals. You should be able to pick up any program language once you once you've cracked the first two, right? What a lot of people think, and I've I've noticed a lot of beginners obsess over it is, and it's a natural thing that beginners will always do, no matter what. There's no way we can talk them out of it. Is beginners are always going to obsess over syntax. You know, it's 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 really 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 easy for beginners to get totally hung up on why that that put that bracket there put that space there put that semicolon there and I, and it's reasonable to, for them to think that because that's that's how our brain works right our brain our brain works by learning code um like by a sequence of characters and lines right that's how we learn code we learn code by typing it in and stuff happens and then you learn that like not having that semicolon there is going to cause a problem, which means it's not going to run, which means it's not going to work. And then you go through that loop for like a couple of years or a year, right? And then you get to the point where you know you know how to type it in, 
and you know how to not make those mistakes. But then comes the next part, which is understanding really what's going on. It's the semantics. It's the, it's the what's actually happening here. Um, and it, your brain sort of starts to change at that point. It, it starts to think about problems differently. You, 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 you lose, once you move away from the beginner stages of, of, of learning to code, you move away from that obsession over syntax, over bracket positions and, and characters. And, and you start to think about it less as a language. I think the thing, your average person in the street who doesn't have a clue about anything to do with this stuff, they assume that it's like learning a language. Yeah, I, I thought that before I started. It's really not. It, it's it's just it's it's almost just like it's like puzzle solving really more than learning a language. And um, once you get over the learn learn the learning of the language part, you can you can learn any 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 of these languages, and you can just and you can learn it by assimilating it back to the one you, you know previously, and you can and you can compare the syntax and go, ah, well, I can do exactly the same thing in this language that kind of that language. But it means the same thing, and I can translate that over. So when you get to that get to that level, tutorials are so useful. You know, you can look at some tutorials. You can, um, you can see how to do things. You're 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 not a complete beginner anymore. You can um, you can learn as much as you can on the internet. Um, there are bad tutorials out there. Videos for me are the way that I learn through videos. Um, yeah, I'm quite similar like that. Um. Just any way possible. It's at that stage. It's kind of really tapping into how you learn. One important point I'll make, though, is to is to try and always look at the documentation. I know that's quite a hard thing to do because documentation can sometimes be really painful to read. It can sometimes be painful to find. So if you're a couple of years in, you want to level up, um. One thing you can always do is like make sure you're looking at the reference documentation for that particular technology. Um, if you can't find it, keep digging. A good place to start is the GitHub, um, and then dig in from there. If you find yourself reading the actual source code, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's probably open source anyway. Um, always try and make sure that you're looking at the latest version of a particular thing. Many uh, times I've been, you know, l- skilling up by following some sort of tutorial to later find that I followed version three of the tutorial and version four is out now. But version four is actually really different, and I've just learned, I've just learned React Root or V three. Do you know what I mean? Where I should, should have been learning React Root or V four, or, or even worse, I've heard of people learning Angular JS when they've been meaning yeah. to learn Angular. Um, which it was, point, yeah. I'm not going to get into this, but it was borderline irresponsible <laughs> to not call it something else. I know, um, it's totally, but, you're, you're totally yeah. right. <laughs> um, yeah. What else is good for learning? YouTube is brilliant. I don't know. Yeah. I can't think of, I can't, uh, what, what would I do? Um, I was learning Rust over the last year and a half. I'm still kind of going back and forward to that. I've, Rust's a great language and they've got an amazing book on their website mm. um it's it's hard to kind of point around that youtube videos things like things like um front-end masters and and front-end um, masters is great front, there's front-end mentor that's amazing for anyone that hasn't tried that it's uh they um i don't know if you've seen it but they, they give you like all the components 
of a final project. Uh, and oh. they have some really simple ones and some really complicated ones. They give you all the components uh, and like uh, assets. And they, they basically, you, you have to build a, uh, you have to replicate a site using it. And it, that's all free, I think. So um, that's really cool. There's a, yeah, there's really a wealth of, uh, it's almost like you're spoiled for choice because obviously you've got the other ones like Freeco Camp, the Odin project and that sort of thing. You're just, uh, there's so much out there. It's uh, yeah, like you said, the eco, like you said earlier in the pod, the ecosystem has changed so much over the past um sort of 10 years it's uh yeah it's a fantastic time to learn to code and talk, talking and changing ecosystems obviously we live somewhere that has changed rapidly again over a similar time scale uh, in terms of like how um in terms of tech uh what what do you see as the future of uh scotland's tech scene and, and the central belt in particular hard question actually um we've got a lot of Hmm. <laughs> How do I answer this? <laughs> um, we've got a lot of companies doing a lot of interesting things. My issue with that, though, is, and I've seen this happen more times than is necessary, is there's quite a lot of early stage startups, and mm. I, I don't mean that like I don't mean that in a in a bad way. It's great that there's early stage startups. That's brilliant. Because that means stuff for the economy, that means stuff for growth, that's investment, blah 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 blah. All that good all that all those good things, right? And I'm a huge startup advocate. I love startups. I've worked on a few startups. Um I'll maybe have a startup one day, hopefully, maybe. We'll see. You know, no no promises. Um <laughs> and um the the thing that I see a, a lot happening though is I see early stage software engineers beginning of their career going into early stage startups and it does not go well. And it's uh, really not a good thing. And it really makes me quite hurt to see that. And the reason it doesn't go well is because I'm sorry to tell you if you're out there and you want to go and, go and join a startup, I would, I would try and encourage you to not. And the reason being is if, if you get hired into an early stage startup with somebody particularly if it's a non-technical founder which it often is um in my experience i've worked with a few not good in my experience at least um then you're going to be the you're going to be the person that that company depends on to build their technology and you do not want to be starting your first job um as the only developer in that company um no i've seen that happen too many times and it's it's very irresponsible of the employer to even think that they could put that amount of pressure on. Sometimes it's out of sheer ignorance. They don't know. They just think they need a coder. They just think they need a software engineer. Um, higher higher um, software engineer, uh, junior salary and insert magic here. And then inevitably that person learns nothing in a year and a half. They get stressed at their head. Their their boss gets really annoyed with them because they're they're not able to build what they were asked to build because they're still learning there's we're all, we're all we're all always learning but they're the very beginning of learning so i've seen quite a lot of startups fail on that i've seen quite a lot of people's careers get off to a shaky start on that um i would try i would try i'm, I'm very hopeful for the bigger startups though um the, the the companies that have been there and done that uh there's a really great company there's a few really great companies like you know fanjul and skyscanner are obvious ones 
Um, there's companies like Boundary Technologies that I've heard are really good. Um, there's, I mean, I couldn't name them all, but there's tons and tons of companies that are that are like small, medium, medium size um, uh, companies to work for. Um, tech scene wise, in general, I don't know what way it's going to go with Scotland. Um, I like to think that there's just going to be tons and tons of really good product companies and really good software as a service type companies, you know, with that kind of business model of all doing various things. Yeah. Um, games is still a thing. Um, I think it's not really something that I've really been that keen on. Yeah. Well, Rockstar yeah. got two offices in, in Scotland alone. Yeah. So definitely yeah. still a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot going on there. Um, I don't know. The future in general is very much going to be machine learning. It's going to be, from my point of view, it's going to be making sure that people can use that. I've worked with quite a lot of like really, really clever data analysts that are obviously like really good at machine learning stuff. But I always, always find that they need help building the software, building the product. Um, I know there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of big agencies in Scotland, and some of them look really nice to work for. That looks that looks quite nice. I've always been a little bit hesitant of those personally. Uh, never say never, but like I would never. I would. I would like to think I would maybe always try and stay with a product company. Um, I agree. I'm probably the same because you always want to be striving. I, I, I'm not sure I, I would be keen on working on like almost chained uh, uh, sort of two degrees of separation away like if you're working directly to build the same product i think that's almost more motivating i understand why people like the agency model but yeah it's, it's not yeah. for me yep i've seen a lot of small agencies uh there's a couple of good big big agencies i'll give them a shout out and digital i hear really good things about yeah and digital. i've heard really good things um, about them as well a couple of people i know work there and they swear by it trying trying really hard to recruit me <laughs> and um <laughs> So I would never rule out an agency like that or that on that level. It sounds like they're doing it all right, and I've got a lot of respect for that. But I've, I've in the olden days, you know, there used to be quite a lot of small agencies where they just, it would, it would just, you know, just be a wild turkey chase. Um, Scotland was meant to be tipped to be like a good, a good place for space stuff. I've not seen that pan out yet. Sadly, I don't know what's going on there. Um, my hope is that we just get a lot of really good, we get a lot of really good small companies that turn into big companies. Out out the back of out the back of successes with companies like Boundary and you know all the rest of it, um, and I just hope that they keep hiring um, people to build to build uh, to build good product stuff. Um, and I'm quite glad to see in a weird way. Um, that for example at Fangio we've had like quite a few people come over from like sort of like the banks and stuff like that. Like not that I'm not that I'm hugely down on the banks. I think I think they're think they're they're fine. Um but for a while, a few years ago, it was quite hard to hire because all the hiring was just going straight to like Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan and and um and Barclays. Um and I'm now we're I'm now starting to see the people coming back. That'll that'll fluctuate with the with the with the financial climate as as normal. Um, I'm not really sure what to say about about the, the future of the 
of Scotland other than just those little those little thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's a topic uh, uh, in, in of itself. Um, it definitely, def- is. definitely, potentially worthy of a spin-off podcast. I've, I've often thought about because uh, there's a lot a lot going on in, uh, in Scotland's tech scene and uh, interesting stuff. But yeah, I mean we're um, yeah, I mean we, we've already talked talked around a lot of different areas. So hopefully people have got uh, sort of a lot of value about um, uh, around this. Uh, if people um, you know, uh, I was going to say if people want to get get in touch with you, what what's usually the best way? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I tweet sometimes. Um, it's Colin underscore Riddell, R-I-D-D-E-L-L. Um, yeah, I'm on GitHub, Colin dash Riddell. Um, that's not really for communication. That's just for for laws. Ha- have a look around what you're working on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I spent a little bit of time, you know, recently, like making that look all look a bit prettier. So. <laughs> Somebody, somebody may as well look at it. Um, yep, those places. I'm on LinkedIn as well. If you want to hit me on LinkedIn, that'd be cool. I quite like LinkedIn actually. Um, yeah, people are pretty good. down in it, but yeah, I quite like it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to hear from anybody about anything. Um, particularly, you know, if it's stuff to do with like learning or career advice or or anything like that, more than happy to help out. Brilliant, fantastic, and uh, so listeners, all, all those links will be uh, in the description. And uh, obviously, you, you've given uh, the code of career plenty of time here. So, is there anything you want to shout out um, at all, or uh, anything you're working on, or uh, if you know, um, or yeah, just uh, any, anything you need to shout out. This is your space. Uh, anything like that? Thanks very much. Um, we're hiring <laughs> at Fanjo. Um, it's quite hard to hire at the moment. Um, Fanjo is quite a good place to be um it's not the the most amazing company in the world i would say um but i'm very i'm very much enjoying it i think a lot of people are enjoying it too um and yeah you could probably get quite a good you probably get quite a good good bit of work to do in FanDuel. there's a lot of really interesting things happening if that takes your fancy a lot of people that i know are put off by the whole betting thing not all of our products are betting related um Ironically, we had had somebody had somebody that work at JP Morgan say to me, "Oh, I don't, I don't want to come and work at Fanduel because of the betting thing." It's like, hold on, you build you used to build high frequency trading systems for JP Morgan. Yeah, I, I didn't say anything. I just I just kept stum, you know, like like whatever. Uh, There's a certain um, irony there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but th- this is classy gambling. <laughs> yeah, we make like little games and things like that at FanDuel as well like little free-to-play games and yeah and there's a lot of stuff to do with infrastructure to get your teeth stuck into Mm. um and there's just a lot like a lot of like good engineering practices you know happening at at FanDuel now as well like with learning opportunities and things yeah you do a lot of fantasy football and that kind of thing I saw that there's fantasy stuff that's that stuff's really interesting I don't really understand the sports side of it that's another thing, actually. If you are like, if you are thinking about Fangio, um, you don't have to be a sports person. I am not. I am. Not, I'm, I'm so not a sports person, and I, and I and I quite like it. So hit me up if you if you want to come over. There's plenty of opportunities. Brilliant. Sounds good. And I'll, I'll leave some links in the description as well um, for people to find out more about Fangio. But um, yeah, I mean, thanks again once again for your uh, for your time, Colin. It's been a really insightful and uh, fun podcast to do. Uh, and uh, I've definitely learned a lot myself so I'm sure the listeners have as well so I really appreciate it 
thanks very much. I've really enjoyed being here. It's an absolute honour, privilege, anytime. Thanks very much. <laughs> well, and uh, thank you as well, uh, dear listener, for checking in with another week of the Code to Career. Uh, really appreciate your continued support and uh, just always make sure to follow us uh, on the links um, in the description and especially join our Discord uh, if you ever want to have a chat uh, with members of the community. But until then, have a great week and happy coding. Thank you.